Welcome to Sundial. I'm Carlos Frias. The journey to becoming the head of Miami Beach's New World Symphony started with Stefan Deneuve hiding in the back of a chapel. He sat listening to one of the nuns playing the organ at his Catholic school. She noticed him and asked him if he'd like to learn to play. He was 10. But that led Stefan into a lifetime of music. This year he takes over as artistic director for the man who founded New World Symphony more than 35 years ago. It's a big responsibility. New World is a champion for making classical music accessible in South Florida. You might have seen its popular Wallcast series, where they project live performances on the wall outside of the New World Center. It's yet another challenge in Stefan's conducting career. Stefan had been a guest conductor at New World for years. He remains the music director of the St. Louis Symphony Orchestra, and he's the principal guest conductor of the Netherlands Radio Philharmonic. He commutes between there and Miami Beach, but South Florida is special to him. He calls it a dream place. New World season started last month, and its next Wallcast performance is October 14th. Let's talk to Stefan about how Miami Beach inspires his work. Stefan, welcome, so, and thank you for coming in. Thank you very much, and I was really enjoying the beauty of your voice, actually. I love voices, and it was a pleasure to listen to you just now. Well, I'm available anytime you want to you wanna <laughs> do a, a collaborative series. I'll, I'll happily come over to New World, and, and we can do something together. Oh, my God, you're, you're <laughs> a natural narrator. <laughs> well, I, um, I, I, really, I wanted to talk with you because New World is such an institution in Miami. You know, that Wallcast series is like it's the thing that so many people who maybe aren't aren't even uh, uh, super familiar with with orchestra and classical music have happened upon and have sat on the lawn and watched the performances on the on the on the side of the building and and now it's your job to kind of take over this thing and and bring your own bring your own flavor but also kind of extend a legacy there of what that institution does right as you said there is an incredible legacy and something so unique there's nowhere else in the world such a beautiful world cast. And as you said, inviting people from free, just coming randomly, sometimes from just the street and being surprised by music just on display there. Uh, and uh, I'm delighted, really delighted to be uh, continuing this, this legacy of Michael Dixon Thomas and all the people that worked um, in this amazing ins institution. Uh, and. Uh, well, you know, there is still a lot to do to get music more accessible and to get even more people knowing that it is waiting for them, that it will just enrich their lives forever. So that's what we do as a New World Symphony. Tell me about that. Is that is that something that you had encountered before uh, before you came to Miami Beach, uh, this idea of this public display of classical music in that way? Like, is it is this kind of thing where they're projecting on the side of a building? Had you seen something similar? <laughs> I'm I'm from the very north of France, and um, I have to say that in most part of the northern Europe, uh, you could not do that because uh, one day out of at least two, it's raining. <laughs> so you have a, a very special weather here that allow this to happen during the whole winter, and of course it's a dream because you you want to share when you love something. I mean, be it a wine, uh, be it a meal, be it a, another passion for sport or something. You just want to share what you love, right? And uh, I happen to really love symphonic music. And I, I, I think it's a dream that you can just offer it for free outside like that. So, uh, yes, it's an uh, old dream come true that, that you have a possibility here to do that 
uh, at so many concerts. Yeah. You're, you're, I was reading a little bit about what kind of what's coming up this season, and you were talking about um, different ways that Miami inspires you, right? And, and talk to me about that and specifically about, you know, when you're creating series and you're creating, you know, uh, performances, um, talk to me about the ways that, that location plays into that, where you wanted to kind of reflect Miami in, in the music. Well, what is very special is the location of the center. It is really in the heart of South Beach, just one block from uh, Lincoln Road to two streets, basically, from the, from the sea, beach. from yeah. the beach. And um, it is clearly is a, a vacation place. Yet what we do, music requires so much discipline, so much dedication. And I found amazing <laughs> that um, you can alternate at the New World Symphony those really, really deep uh, moment of, of, of focus and uh, of search of, uh, uh, of re, you know, very, very deep involvement into what music means and then take a break and <laughs> just go out and you see this And go to the beach. <laughs> yes, actually. Where's the, the first violinist? We're starting, but she's on, he's on the beach. <laughs> I mean, actually, you would be surprised. He and she, all the fellows are very professional. And so they are there in advance <laughs> because they need to prepare. They need to uh, a warm up, you know, the uh, playing. It's, uh, it's actually, so that doesn't happen, which is a miracle, <laughs> a miracle. Uh, well, I, in sports, in sports down here, you know, they call it the South Beach effect. Like when a team yeah. comes into town, <laughs> if they get on South Beach the night before they play, it's usually if, if they if they don't play well the next day is because they oh. had the South Beach, the South Beach effect. Yeah, that's so. your tactic. <laughs> that's how we break them down. That's a good word. <laughs> no, but look, the thing is, um, the building is so wonderful. It's by Frank Gehry, arguably one of the greatest architect alive today. He's actually 94. And... Uh, uh, he designed a spectacular building, and uh, I have a, a studio, and all the the fellows can access anywhere uh, um, the the last floor where there is a, a garden outside. But already from the studio where I practice myself, there is a grand piano there. Uh, I can just you know uh, put my eyes out out of the the score up and just I see the sea. And <laughs> what was incredible is I started the season. Um, a few weeks ago with an homage to Miami and to this place and we played La Mer which in French means, means the sea by Debussy and so it was quite magic I could look at the real sea and just one minute later be on stage and conduct the sea of Debussy that was really special well we happen to have um, a little bit of that performance of Claude Debussy's uh, La Mer um, and, uh, and I want to play a little bit of it to put us in the mood, and then I want to talk to you about its relationship to Miami Beach. Okay, we don't have that quite yet, <laughs> but when we do, oh, here we go. I think that puts us right in the mood of where we need to be. It's so it's so evocative and so full of light. And yes, the first program we did, 
this week, uh, uh, this season, I was very proud because we, we, we made an homage to the color blue. Mm. So, of course, it's a cliche, but you have the blue of the Miami sky, the blue of the Miami sea. Um, but the building, the, the, the New World Center, has also blue seats, you know, and some blue decoration uh, uh, on, on white. And, the, and then even my predecessor, um, you know, the co-founder of the New World Symphony, M Michael Tilson Thomas, is very famous for his blue glasses. <laughs> Myself, I have blue eyes, which you cannot see on the radio, but trust me. And, uh, they're, they're, and lovely, so they're lovely. <laughs> you're flatter. <laughs> no, but, uh, I think you're blushing, sir. A little, yes, <laughs> I am blushing. Actually, you're right. Uh, so now it's blue and red. So we, we're close to uh, the French flag. <laughs> so uh, I, I, I was very happy to, uh, to make this, um, this concert an homage to the color blue. And also we have a great program in uh, the New World Symphony called Blue as well, which mm. is an acronym for Build, Learn, Understand, Experiment. And this is what the fellows are doing as well during their year. They, they, the musicians, the fellows of the New World Symphony, they, they have their possibility to create uh, uh, their own project um, and to, uh, to, to, to just interact with the community thanks to this project. So all that was very meaningful and on top of it we did something that is very dear to my heart is during La Mer that you mm -hmm. just heard we tried some very new way to present some visuals that would uh, actually enhance the listening mm. which is a very important thing. Uh, today, uh, I have a daughter, she's 15, and of course she's on screens, you know, be it a phone or an iPad or computer all the time. And uh, I think the, the people today, they, they, they need a certain visual enhancement. Oh, there's an element of where you figure you can get these two to play, these two things to play together to our, to our the visual, bringing a visual aspect to enhance the, the experience. But how to do that it doesn't disturb, mm -hmm. you know, that it doesn't become uh, overpowering the music and, and, and become a distraction. So the great thing at the New World Symphony, there, was, there is what we call the sails. So on top of the orchestra, uh, stage, there are these beautiful curved walls that mm. look like cells of a boat. It's oh, beautiful. Wow. And we can project on it amazing things. And we have this season, even new lighting system with so many incredible lights that can move and can um, create some, some special light, lighting effects. So mm. what we did is that we tried to incorporate what we were putting on, on, the, on the cells, that it was some uh, impressionistic paintings that mm -hmm. Debussy loved and the uh, old estamp from, from Okusai, the famous wave uh, of the Japanese artist Okusai. So we, we, um, we actually uh, had the orchestra immersed kind of inside of these paintings and in the visuals we tried to put some resonance, visual resonance of the musician playing. So there was really a feeling of unity between the visual and the listening. And that was all what I dreamed for, you know, to unite the different senses, different art forms. And this is the kind of experiment we are doing at the New World Symphony. How does that affect your performance then? I mean, even down physically to the musicians, when they're, they're encased not just with music and sound, but with light and color, does that, does that affect the performance from day to day? Yes, because ultimately the music creates a lot of very sophisticated moods. Mm. And I think to have this um, visual enhancement was helping to create some moods in the playing as well. So it was kind of a journey. I mean, we were kind of cruising <laughs> while playing La Mer, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> pun intended. And, uh, uh, 
and and it was really helping us to be even more creative and propose more colors you know what is funny we speak about colors in music mm -hmm. and it's strange because music is just vibrations they don't have colors but yet i do believe there is correspondences between between colors and music and that's what we were uh, searching for there I, I was going to say there's there's an element of that in in music and some people seeing like uh, who have the, oh, yeah. the kind of where they can see colors with music it's called synesthesia mm. and some people have that i don't uh, i'm i think i'm very sensitive and i I can imagine the colors that the music uh, give. And sometimes I would even ask, you know, like, can you play with a bit more purples? I mean, you know, and people will more, more red or more yellow. And, and, and the musicians will, will understand the metaphor somehow and, and, and that would influence their way of playing. But I don't have synesthesia. The true synesthesia, which is that some people, it's well documented, really hear a note and see a color associated which is fascinating but it's an interesting direction to say something i feel i need more purple or more red in that because i think we you know there's there's uh there's some universality in in what some of those colors can can in, can instill in us and can inspire in us so that's an interesting way to, to direct to conduct no no colors are so important and as a french musician i have to say uh it's the passion of mine it's kind of in my dna to really uh enjoy the chords as as very, very interesting colors, yes. Our guest today is Stefan Deneff. He's the artistic director of the New World Symphony. The Miami Beach-based orchestra is currently in season. We've been talking so much about color and music and music kind of, be, you know, that, that um, finding the music in places, uh, ultimately. And I'm curious about music and how it, how it came into, into your life. And we have this, this anecdote that you mentioned to our, one of our producers, Leslie Oye, um, about kind of being this little kid in the back of the room listening to one of the nuns at Catholic school playing the organ. Yes, and that was definitely a revelation because it was so beautiful and so powerful. An organ somehow is a kind of uh, orchestra in itself, right, with all the different stops and all the different pipes that can create um, different as well colors, by the way. And uh, um, she was so kind to propose some piano lessons to me and to find out fairly quickly that I had good ears or whatever. I'm a little bit, little bit of talent, maybe, uh, if I can say that modestly. <laughs> and, uh, and she asked my parents to send me to the conservatoire. I also played a little bit of trumpet, by the way, because my father played as well uh, um, uh, a bit of tuba, actually, in uh, some amateur brass band uh, in the north of France near Belgium. Your dad was a tuba player, do, do, tuba player near Belgium. Ve, 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 very, yeah, very amateurishly I must say. Uh, he will forgive me for <laughs> saying that. He was just, you know, opening the box of his tuba just once a week for the rehearsal. But uh, that's alright. That gave me also a, a feeling for what a brass uh, uh, and wind uh, orchestra is and the, the, the great fun to play together, to mm. play with other people and that's the thing I became a pianist first but I felt quite lonely because I wanted to share music with more people so I played chamber music and then later I actually created my own little orchestra because I wanted just to play with more people and to have fun with a bigger group that's the I, fun I'm curious about this so your dad was he was playing music did you grow up uh, so at 10 years old you, you really you were you kind of fall in love with this idea of the of the organ but growing up did you have was your dad playing in bands? Was he playing? Was he, he what, stopped what was after a while. He, he oh, stopped, yeah, yeah. So he didn't do that for very long after I, I really uh, uh, started with him. But uh, um, uh, no, uh, and and it's interesting. My, my uh, 
my family is certainly um, uh, from a little place in the north of France, and and they were not really going to um, to concerts or or even listening really to music. So this always gives me hope because I feel who whoever can suddenly have the 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 passion for music you don't need to be from a fam- you know from a musical family a family of musicians no no no, yeah. no, no. You, you you don't need that you just need to uh, to 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 fall in love with it you know which is uh, uh, what happened actually i have a, a, a beautiful story with my uh, teacher my mentor my yoda you would say <laughs> his name was um, andre dumortier he's not in this world anymore but uh, uh, he was my master for the piano and uh, when, once, when I was, I think, maybe 17 or 16, 17, uh, I played for him a Bach uh, prelude. And okay, maybe I was not playing too bad that day. And so uh, after I played, there was a big silence. And and he told me something I will never forget. He said, oh, I'm happy for you, Stefan. I said, oh, so yeah, okay. And he said, you know, I know that from now on, you will never be alone. And uh, Because and music would be your companion. Exactly. And the great... The great composers, you know, those genius people, you know. and that's really the case. Uh, uh, music is always there for you. It's a very important way to uh, to enjoy life. That's that's really such a it, it's a, such a beautiful thing to finding something that that fills a part of you. But also, you had a couple mentors from from him, and that nun, that sister, uh, who I mean, I mean, I went to Catholic school, so I can imagine a nun also chasing you out of the room. But then people who bring you in and say, oh, here's a person who sees this passion, let me fuel it. Like how important is it to have those kind of me- mentors that are able to recognize that in students, which is something that you work with, you know, the fellows here. It's so my mission now. Actually, I really feel, you know, I'm 51. Um, and You're a boy. You're <laughs> a boy. Still, 51. <laughs> I was hoping for something nice coming from you. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> don't force yourself. No, no. I'm really 51, and I think uh, it's clear that I'm 51. That's. But the 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 point being that uh, I've I've been a professional musician since now more than 30 years actually, and I really feel it's time to give back more, and that's the opportunity here to uh, you know give back my experience my. Uh, what made me a, a happy human being, you know, uh, mm. it's uh, it's quite incredible that the love for um, music can give you so much happiness and so much enthusiasm and passion. And I'm seeing all those young musicians, you know, the fellows, and of course it's very competitive and they have doubts and 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 I just want to uh, to give them to transmit my. My, my my hope that actually they can have a, a life fulfilled with music and that it will help them first as my teacher said to never feel alone mm. and more than that to uh, to really just have a purpose in life to just feel what what you are here for tell me about some of the musicians that you encounter at, at uh, new world symphony there are there are ones who have uh, sometimes graduated from institutions and are looking to find their, where their next place is going to be as professional musicians, right? What is what is that process like? It's a wonderful concept, actually, very unique as well. It's not a school, and it's not a professional orchestra. It's something exactly in between, because the fellows actually enter when they are really totally, uh, I would say, professional in their level, like they're out of great music schools, and um, they have, I mean, amazing... Uh, uh, already grades and 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 uh, and what happened is um, they audition to enter 
uh, our orchestra and they can stay maximum of three years, mm. three seasons. And uh, that's actually the, uh, the, the cruel thing that it's only for three years, which means that this orchestra is forever new because every year you have new fellows, of course, replacing the, the third year that are leaving. So this year, for instance, we have 37 new fellows, which is quite a lot. Wow. And, um, uh, Whole so new team. Yes, and new energy and new dreams. And it's, it's just fantastic. And they meet, of course, the, the older fellows, the ones that are year two, year three. And, uh, uh, of course, their, their focus is certainly to develop themselves, to, to develop their excellence. Uh, that's the most important uh, part of it. But also to learn to be uh, uh, ready for what it means to be a musician today. And mm -hmm. that changed a lot. You know, it's not anymore to be anonymous in an orchestra and just come for the real soul and prepare and play. And that's it. No, no. To be a musician today is to be involved in the community, in education, to do a lot more than just being on stage. And that's what the New World Symphony will give them, this possibility to redefine what is the future of classical music and what it means to be a musician in the future. And, uh, and they all take auditions. And what is wonderful is that they are free to, uh, to, to, to miss sometimes a rehearsal or even a concert if they, if they have a, a very important audition for a professional orchestra. If they win the audition, they can leave, so they are not blocked hmm. by the New World Symphony. So it only it only exists to to help their careers rather than to lock them into something. Exactly, yeah. exactly, and that is very unique. There's no institution doing that uh, during a full season, right? You have some summer camps, something like that. But this is actually a, a real orchestra, so it's a kind of win-win-win-win situation because yeah. we benefit here this community from uh, a, a forever new orchestra that is made of very talented people and there are you know more than 1200 alumni that are now in orchestras all over the world it must be interesting to see them find their ways i i worked with a young man named jacob sweet who was a talented was a fantastically talented clarinetist from the northeast and he was a super talented writer and he was at the point in his career where he was trying to decide mm -hmm. do i want to write or do I want to give myself to music? And I think he still plays music, but he's also been published in The New Yorker. So, like, young guy, you know, I imagine you encounter those people, too, who are deciding where their careers are going to go. It's very interesting because, uh, ultimately, you want just to uh, help people to find their way, mm -hmm. their journey. And yes, for instance, we have many alumni that uh, actually decided to go within the management industry of music or doing some other thing. We have one one gentleman, for mm. instance, that last year decided to go into uh, uh, selling instruments. You know, the lutri. You know, the, to be to be in that field. Uh, I mean, look, we have the director of the New York Philharmonic, Mr. Gussling is actually uh, uh, an alumni with a clarinet player, you know, and then he now is, is the director of the New York Philharmonic. So wow, yes, it, uh, That's it's a, he's a he's a, a, a graduate, so to speak. Of exactly amazing, he's a, he's a graduate from the New World Symphony, and he decided to take this route. And and uh, yes, there is a, an element of developing leadership and uh, and open mind about what your life can be, which is um, many more things and and just decided, you know, to be a, a musician in an orchestra. Well, that was kind of your story too, right? Like there was a point in your in your career coming up where you were interested in other things, right? Like computer <laughs> science and like I think you built a video game you told us once, right? How do you know that? Uh, I have very good producers. Uh, <laughs> Elisa and Leslie, always on it. 
Uh, well, yes, actually, it's strange. Uh, when I was 13, 14, um, I'm this generation where it was the first wave of, of personal computing. Mm -hmm. you know, this, um, yeah, you and I are on the same generation, so that, that uh -huh. so I can see you at uh, just what, like building games on your IBM or yes. Well, I was dreaming to have an Apple II. It was the first one, Apple II C. I know they were always more expensive, but it was the, too expensive. The PC clones, I no, know. no chance. So I had a little Sinclair ZX eighty one, and then Spectrum, and then I had an Auric one, if a Commodore sixty four, if that reminds. I something. do remember the Commodore sixty four, and yeah. uh, and uh, and I uh, uh, yes, I actually programmed a game. <laughs> it was a weird game, uh, <laughs> a game actually where basically you you are given a letter and uh, and a, a definition, and then you have to find the word. And so to put the data, I had to put the data. There was no AI to do that for me at the time. So can you imagine in when I was I think thirteen, I read the full French dictionary because what? I needed I needed to find words. You needed words for your with, for your yeah. yeah with you couldn't definition. just hit a, you couldn't hit a button and import the words. No way, <laughs> no way. So I was reading the you know page by page and trying to find the 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 number of letters that were fitting and the kind of length and the difficulty of the word. So I you're, can you're, say I read I read the dictionary from A to Z literally. <laughs> your SAT scores must have been out of this world. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. <laughs> But there is something about that, right? There is a relationship between math and music that we hear about all the time, this relationship between math and music and the sciences and music. I think everything is intertwined somehow. And yes, nature, for instance, for all its beauty, has always a lot of fractals, for instance, mm -hmm. uh, patterns. And uh, uh, the same in music, it's vibrations. And it's amazing that the laws of harmonies are responding somehow with the... Uh, uh, you know, with the universe and the, the, the gravitations between planets, it's a, it's really a, a quite not only a metaphor, it's a reality. And so, so yes, I, I often, often uh, musicians are not too bad in math, but uh, <laughs> but look, I programmed this video game. I I actually uh, had my first contract uh, with uh, you know publishing it. Wow! Uh, uh, but then it was over because. I really thought that music was just better. My mother was dreaming for me to be a doctor. Oh, you know, course, I yep. was a <laughs> and uh, and I went to the conservatoire in Paris, and I was lucky enough that when I got my first prize at the Conservatoire de Paris, they had a new system that made an equivalence to university, and so I was basically an equivalent of doctor of music, and so I came back home and said like. Mom, I'm a doctor. <laughs> I'm finally a doctor. In just, music. Just like you wanted. Just, uh, <laughs> in music. <laughs> well, you know, I, you talked about relationships, right? Like the relationships in music and then finding your place in there. I'm really always curious about this role of the conductor hmm. in the relationship between composer, musician, and, and uh, composer, musician, and conductor. Hmm. Talk to me about that a little bit, about where you see... Where you see your role in that in that kind of three-way relationship there? Well, maybe I have to start to say that I, I'm a frustrated composer. I <laughs> I only composed a few romantic songs uh, when I was madly in love uh, <laughs> with a girl as a teenager. How did that work out? Uh, well, <laughs> actually, my, my daughter is very funny. My daughter, uh, I, I reveal a little story. Uh, we, she's 15 and a half and we had conversations and, and uh, she was cursed and, and I showed her some uh, girlfriend I had way before I met her mother and, and she was surprised she said 
my god dad how did you score her <laughs> because in her mind she looked way too beautiful and i said like look at your at your mother she's also very beautiful i mean it's it's, it's uh, i've been a lucky man and yes <laughs> and yes by the way i believe music has helped me i'm not apollo so it's certainly uh you know my uh, i don't know i don't know what it is maybe humor maybe i don't know what it is but anyway something helped which was not just the appearance for sure um listen you're you're why does every kid become a musician why does every boy become a musician right to meet girls right like that's the that's ultimately what it is that was not don't give my me any goal. story that was not my goal but i lo- lost my train of thought here what was your question so we were talking about the relationship between between the conductor and, yes. and c- the creator the composer and musician yeah. <laughs> so my point indeed i digressed but uh, we uh, love digressions but, but the, the fact is uh, i wish i would be a composer i mean i, I admire revere I mean, they are our masters, and I'm, I really feel uh, a servant to composers. Like, this is really, really what I'm doing. I'm trying to serve the dream, the idea, the universe, I mean, the, of a composer. And that is actually the closest you can do as a conductor to be a composer, because you kind of recreate the piece, right? The piece is on paper, uh, and it's just written notes on the paper. And I love the idea of make this not alive and you know breathing life into what is on the paper and there's a part of recreation uh into that and uh, uh and so that's what i love the most is to uh, to learn the score meaning um studying it and try to imagine it in your head you mm-hmm. really um I, often in planes i'm reading scores and and i have some people being a bit surprised like do you hear it i mean do you? i said well, actually, yes, it's a, it's it's a, it's a great feeling. I, I can I, I can read a score. Conductors in general can just take a, a score and and imagine it, and then you uh, you 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 want to uh, to have the reality matching your dreams, and so you work with a group and uh, with what they propose you, of course, and 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 uh, and it's great to recreate together. Uh, what the composer may have dreamed or sometimes go beyond. I know some living composer who told me, oh, I didn't imagine my music was expressing that too, but you made it happen. So uh, so this is a, an amazing feeling. There is, um, you, you had the opportunity to to kind of honor one of the composers you looked up to. In, in 2022, you were the conductor for John Williams' official 90th birthday gala. And here's you conducting a clip of a theme you might have heard. Such an iconic piece of music. You have John Williams there. Uh, you're conducting a piece. Tell me about your role in interpreting something like that. Oh, and oh. I know that's a pop culture one. There's, there's oh, other I love, I love John Williams so much. We all do. I believe John Williams also helped to, uh, to, to, to save and and the, the symphony orchestra in the pop culture. I think without him, mm. he would maybe not have been used so much in films and. Uh, uh, now almost every blockbuster want to use a symphony orchestra because this power is unrivaled and uh, 
and the sonic power for symphony orchestra, its beauty, its uh, the ultimate perfect sound to describe space, for mm. instance, uh, like you heard in Star Wars. And uh, yes, something very important that happened in my life was to meet John Williams in 2007 in Los Angeles. And uh, I have to pinch myself mm. uh, that that we became friends and we are in close contact. And uh, I was just with him right now in Japan two, two weeks um, uh, sharing concert with him. I will do wow. that later this year as well. Um, uh, and, uh, uh, and and he's, he's an incredible man. We all know his music is fabulous. I mean, it's just so, so beautiful. And the melodies he wrote are there for the rest of humanity. Um, and the man doesn't disappoint. I mean, the <laughs> man is, is, is just a so, so generous, humble, curious, um, fun, funny, uh, full of life, uh, incredible man, and I, I love him like we all do, for sure. So uh, yes, it's fascinating that I was able to discuss music with him and uh, ask him about, you know, different tempos and interpretation, and, and uh, he knows very well what he wants, and he knows very well what he has written, and uh, it's amazing to be able to uh, speak with him. I really feel... Uh, I, it's like calling Beethoven, you know. Like he, he, he's, he's a, he's an amazing man. So, yeah, this is this is very special. Our guest today is Stefan Dunev. He's the artistic director of the New World Symphony. The orchestra is based in Miami Beach and currently is in season. You know, one of the goals is to make that I've, I've read New World over and over is to make orchestra music, to make classical music more accessible. And we were just talking about John Williams and how. Uh, you you really put a uh, you put a fine point on it. Like he really flipped a switch in making keeping this in in public consciousness. Um, is there is there a fear that 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 classical music can slip away from us uh, in, ex, to to more than just like a select group? You know, actually, no. Hmm. I'm absolutely convinced convinced that uh, classical music will have always more audiences it is happening believe it or not actually um th there, there are new people after covid we are amazed um that uh, uh, a lot of new people are coming that are uh, were not there before and i think people understand what it can do to their soul mm. and their souls and um and and during covid time we had to question what is important in life and and it, it had been a moment where we all tried to to, to give music, you know, through digital ways, and that has certainly helped to create new, new, new connections mm. with people that were maybe not um, so connected with classical music. And I'm I'm very convinced uh, that that um, we are going into a, another golden age for sure, uh, because a lot of great composers today are writing music which is very 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 beautiful very accessible mm. um you know there is a kind of old cliche about the 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 modern uh, symphonic music or modern classical music that would be dissonant difficult uh, intellectual i don't know what um it's certainly not the case today at all actually we we have a, a lot of new voices um coming from so many different communities and uh, and that diversity for me is very precious and help us to focus on the right thing which is what people have to say right. whatever their uh, color whatever their background and uh, and and i think you know there is a a really uh, beautiful thing happening in classical music that it it elevates a lot of voices um 
today and uh, and that's very very exciting to me i mean like just now um, next week we are we are doing um, uh, a concert which i love which will include romeo and juliet of prokofiev this is a very famous uh, ballet music from Prokofiev that everybody suddenly heard. This is a famous tune, for instance. Very dramatic, very beautiful. But in the first part, we will propose two masterworks from the 21st century, um, recent pieces, uh, one by a living composer that will be here with us, James Lee III. The piece is called Vision of Kehokia, and it's a really beautiful, powerful piece that he that he wrote. Um, and then it will be followed by Kelly O'Connor, star singer, singing the Neruda songs um, uh, by Peter Lieberson, is the composer, and Peter Lieberson left us in 2011, but it was composed in 2005. So it's a 21st century piece that he wrote for his wife then, and um, uh, was a singer too, Lauren Hunt, and uh, and it's on poems by Pablo Neruda, so it's sung in oh, Spanish. Interesting. So there's this romantic element, like you said, the Romeo and Juliet kind of theme over it, oh. and there's Neruda poems, which we know are so you know so laced with passion, and then you have uh, the singer Kelly O'Connor, who's who's paired paired with it, right? It's amazing, actually, to have uh, her singing that because she really owns the piece, I would say, after the tragic death of Lauren Hunt. So here is a story. Um, uh, Peter Lieberson met his uh, wife then, I mean, what? who will be his wife? The composer uh, of this. The composer, this Peter Lieberson, the composer, mm-hmm. uh, in 1997. Uh, and uh, Lauren Hunt, this fabulous singer, uh, just fell in love with him. And it was this really amazing passion between the two, which will uh, make him uh, write as a gift to her mm. this piece so five poems five love poems by Pablo Neruda and what is really devastating really devastating is the fact that uh, uh, he, he used five poems and the fifth one is called my love if I die and you don't and uh, 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 and the next line my love if you die and I don't let's not give grief an even greater field no expense is greater than where we live etc etc and it's just uh, so beautiful it ends with just as it never had a birth it has no death it is like a long river only changing lands and changing lips so what is fascinating is that when he decided for this poem he didn't know that his wife will Mm. have a cancer and that she will premiere this piece in 2005 and die herself in 2006. So it's a, it's a very, very moving uh, piece that, that is a bit prophetic somehow. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, and, and then Kelly O'Connor was able to work with the composer after the death of, um, of Lauren Hunt. And, uh, and somehow that's why I said I think she, she kind of owns the piece today because she had this close collaboration artistically with Peter Lieberson and she will sing it and um, it's about love which is eternal and I think Romeo and Juliet also somehow even if tragically mm. <laughs> in the Shakespeare play they also die but at the end uh, I feel that there is this hope that they're they are reunited somewhere else well uh, let, I, I think we should listen to a little bit of that love and hope um, if not also a little tragedy uh, here's a here's a tease from uh, January 2022 uh, performance in Amsterdam.
I know that piece moves you because you are you are here conducting in front of me as that piece is playing. Oh. Well, this is Kelly O'Connor, by the way, the same singer that will be here in Miami to sing it. And uh, it was a very special concert in Amsterdam with one of the best orchestra in this planet, the Concertrebau Orchestra in Amsterdam, very, very famous orchestra in this superb hall. And uh, this was a performance during the COVID time. So we had only, I think, 400 people in this 2000 seats hall, uh, you know, and separated and, 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 we were all distanced to each other, yet the music being maybe the shortest path, the shortest way from one heart to another, mm. just we felt we were all together. And during this very, you know, troubled COVID time, this moment was really, really special. And, and yeah, we felt we were together again. I really loved how you put that about the music really being able to bridge those six feet, those at least six feet between us, right? And uh, because there is something physically that resonates with with music that that it's can so strange. People. You know, I'm always surprised by the eyes. Mm. Um, you know, the the iris of an eye is so small, yet you can be very far and, and you can look at somebody. You know, uh, from very far, and this person knows you are looking at them. Like you know, you can connect with the eyes from so far away, which is crazy, right? And uh, uh, music is even more. <laughs> it's even more so in a way. Yeah, yeah. There is really something that is so direct because it's universal. Uh, there's no language, right? It's just, just, uh, just, uh, yeah, a vibration, a pulse, something that is just what what makes us human. Yeah. There's a lot this season. It seems like that you are, you're also. Um, tapping back into into your predecessor there in your job there's a the season feels like an homage um from what you're saying to your to your predecessor oh yes there is a lot of um of of great great pieces that uh that that my predecessor michael Tisson thomas loves and uh uh right now we are soon to do uh, the Mahler sixth symphony for instance which is really uh an incredible Everest, you know, a big mountain hmm. to climb for, for for an orchestra, and so we um, we will do that at the Arch Center because it's it's it's. Uh, uh, no, sorry, no. This piece is actually in the New World Center. Sorry, I was um, uh, thinking about about uh, also that our season is not only at the New World Center uh, but also at the Arch and. Uh, just oh now. right! This is, right, you're you're playing at different locations. New yes, World yes, yes. I mean, mainly, mainly, of course, at the mm. beautiful New World Center. Mm. But we have a series of concerts at the Arch, and uh, there will be one concert um, uh, uh, with um, the West Side Story, you know, f- dances from Bernstein and the wonderful piece Fiesta by Jimmy Lopez, uh, and also actually a, a co-commission of beautiful saxophone concerto. Uh, from Billy Childs, played by Stephen Banks. That's a, that's a great thing that is on the 21st of October. Myself, selfishly, I very much look forward to a, a special concert, also at the Arsht, um, which is actually with both the New World Symphony Orchestra and the Cleveland Orchestra. Oh, okay. You know, one of the best orchestras in the world, certainly in America. And uh, we are doing uh, this huge piece, um, which is called an uh, an Alpen symphony, so uh, Alpine symphony by Richard Strauss, and it's uh, basically a day in the mountains from dawn to uh, to night, and uh, we'll have, I mean, 150 musicians on stage, like huge orchestra combining those two forces. Wow! Oh, I tell you, oh my God! And and you, it's funny because your your interests uh, they they go between. 
um, the pop culture, like you said, West Side Story, and then something amazing like this, like combining these two orchestras in one thing. But that's what orchestra are today. They are very modern. You know, mm. orchestra plays three centuries of music, starting with Baroque, classical music, romantic music, mm. uh, modern of 20th century music, and then, then they 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 also play a lot of films today you know so many films are accompanied live by symphony orchestras the film uh, repertoire is huge uh, today and that's precious for us and um and there are collaborations with uh, many pop artists as well and i like the idea that when a when a pop artist want to do something very special usually they think oh to have the luxury of a symphony orchestra behind them and i know that you have samplers, you have synthesizers, you have all digital equipment that could offer um, many, many different sounds, yet there is something magic with the symphony orchestra. Nothing can replace it. It right. is just a, an achievement of humanity to have this mix of strings and wings and percussion and harps and, and brass and all of that together is just something special. You have, to, you have to, If you don't know it, you have to try it. There's a place for the 808 And there's a there's a place for the Roland 808, and yeah. there's a place for a full a full symphony. Um, talk to me about some of the things in the last minute that we have that you're really looking forward to. This like of, of these events that are coming up. Tell me about this event where you're combining the two orchestras. What's so thrilling to you about something like that? And and it's interesting for folks to come and see. Well, what is very special is that um, uh, you have this amazing piece that is so powerful mm. and uh, you want to create uh, something that will revol uh, re rival the the power of uh, of uh, sightseeing in 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 a in a mountain right and you want to climb this mountain and, and what we'll have is is a fabulous orchestra the cleveland orchestra mixed fully um, with the New World Symphony. So how does it work? It's called side-by-side. It, side. mm. it means every stand, you know, there is for the strings, there is one stand shared by two players. And every stand, as we call it, will have um, one player from the Cleveland Orchestra, one player from New World Symphony. And that would be a great way for them to learn from their masters, from people that are very experienced. And at the same time, for the Cleveland Orchestra, they will benefit from... Um, Uh, this youth energy and this uh, open mind and this, uh, uh, you know, just uh, amazing energy and talent that the New World Symphony can provide. And, and so it would be monumental. It would just be monumental with a, a great, great amount of, um, of power with those two orchestras combined. Wonderful. We're, we're very much looking forward to see how you put those students and those pros to, together. Um, Stefan Denev, thank you so much for making time for us. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure to speak with you and to your listeners. Stefan Dunev is the Artistic Director of New World Symphony. The orchestra is based in Miami Beach and currently in season. And that's Sundown for Monday, October 9th. Leslie Obay Atkinson is our lead producer. Elisa Baena is our producer and social media editor. Sergio Bustos is WLRN's VP of News. And Katie Munoz is our Director of Live Programming. Peter J. Mertz is WLRN's VP of Radio. And engineering our board is Richard Ives. Our theme music is by the Miami Afro-Cuban funk band Palo. Coming up tomorrow on the program, a new musical at the Adrian Arch Center teaches Miami-Dade County students how to protect our environment. I'm Carlos Frias. Good vibes only. WLRN Public Media.